you would have told me when I was in high school that one day we would have a device that would fit in your pocket that could answer any question within seconds, I would have said you're crazy. Because everybody knows nothing can beat my Apple IIe with dot matrix printer. Yeah? Man, again, high school, if you would have told me that at some point in the future we would have cars running on batteries that could outperform gasoline cars, I would have said, you're crazy. Who's with me? Turns out now that's become possible. I wonder if you have some thoughts like that. When you were younger, if, if someone would have told your younger self, there's a good chance we're getting to Mars. What would you, what would you have said back then, right? Think of all the things that have shifted and changed and things that we would have thought impossible, even with like medicine. I mean, there's things that they can do with medicine. And they go in and, and the, to get to your heart, they got to go in through your pinky or whatever. You know what I mean? Crazy things like this, and they can fix stuff that just seems like science fiction. But sitting here now, we recognize that what would have back then seemed impossible has now been made possible. What about, what about for you right now? What do you think is impossible? A colony on Mars? Is that crazy? I don't know. Some people think that we can do that. Uh, I don't know, for, maybe for right now, is it possible to even have peace in places like the Middle East? Is that possible? Is it, is it possible to, to really have justice for all? Is it possible that we could have a day when uh, we could have a healthy planet and a good economy? Can we have both of those together, right? These things that seem impossible. What, what seems impossible to you? It could be, I don't know, maybe it's a failed relationship or a, a marriage that's just hemorrhaging and you think it's impossible that that would ever be remedied or an addiction or a struggle. You think there's no way this could could be possible. There's no way that this could be repaired. Maybe you're sitting there thinking about that right now. There was a country song that came out about 20 years ago. And uh, you know me, I like my country music. The chorus of this song goes like this. Unsinkable ships sink. Unbreakable walls break. Sometimes the things you think would never happen, happen just like that. Unbendable steel bends if the fury of the wind is unstoppable. And I've learned to never underestimate the impossible. <coughs> Pastor Ben, I'm glad you're here with us today. You made it a point to be at the gatherings. Whether you be online or in person, these are important moments. Important moments for us as a church to get together, to be reminded of mission, to encourage each other, to take communion, celebrate together, sing in unity the truth about the good news of Jesus. We're here for that. 
And I'm excited. If you're, again, new with us, we'd love to, to hear from you and pray with you. But today we're going to sort of take a turn to the last little bit of the Gospel of Matthew. We've been in this journey since January, and we are now in Matthew chapter 28. And uh, so I want you to find that in your Bible. Look, what we're going to read today, if this didn't happen, none of this makes any sense. In this room, we're wasting our time. Christmas wouldn't matter. If this didn't happen that we're going to read today, all bets are off. We are a people who are to be pitied if what happens in Matthew 28 didn't actually happen. It's that important for us. And that's what we're going to lean into today. I hope you're, you're ready. Find that in your, your device or your Bible. And uh, today the message is really a message of hope. And it's about God changing the game. Making the impossible possible. Everything is now possible. So let's, let's pray, and then we'll read the scriptures together. Father, we come before you. We ask for your presence among us, that your, your spirit would move in a powerful way. That Father, once again, even today, in these, these words that we'll read, they're more than words. They're your words. They're truth, and they're living and active. And what we're going to remind ourselves today, that with you, nothing is impossible anymore. And so, Lord, we hold on to that truth as we pray that you would, you would open our ears to hear, that you would open our eyes to see, that you'd soften our heart to be moved. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you can, stand with me. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read the first 10 verses here. Get ready for the game changer. Now, after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please have a seat. You see, if this hadn't happened, we're a bunch of fools in this room. Because we've been duped. 
But this did happen. And it changed human history forever. And it altered reality. Resurrection altered anything we think of as reality. The early disciples, those early women that were there at the tomb, they, they had two emotions, two things that gripped them. Fear, because now what's going on? Everything we knew about how the world worked has completely changed. Fear and great joy, because he did what he said he was going to do. Impossible. This is impossible. We know how the world works. We bury people in the ground. They don't come back out. We know very well how this works. Young and old, we know this. Dead things don't rise again. Right? Impossible. Maybe we need to learn to never underestimate the impossible. Jesus changed the world as they knew it, and we knew it. And see, those women, they, they were going to the tomb. You've got to hand it to these gals because they, they're pretty brave. I mean, they were there with them the whole time the whole crucifixion happened. They were supporting the ministry for most of the three years, as far as we can tell. Uh, they were pretty important. And they were, they, they were a bit fearless, I thought. And so they had an agenda that morning. You wake up at Sunday morning, just like many of us did this morning. I woke up at 6, you know ready for the day, get my coffee going, all of that. And they, uh, you know, after having their morning tea, I'm not sure what they did in the first century. I don't know if they, they did coffee. I'm going to assume they did. You know, certainly Jesus drank coffee. He did not. I don't know. But they had their coffee, and they're ready to go. And, and they, they, well, we're going to go visit the tomb. Now, we're not sure how this is going to work. You know, the women are talking. And uh, there's a number of women that were there. And, um, well, we're going to visit the tomb. We know where it's at. But, but I, I'm not sure what we're going to do because we want to bring some spices. When you hear that, think bringing flowers to a graveside, right, or a grave marker. And so that's kind of a similar sort of thing. But obviously, we've got a problem because... You know, he's buried in a cave, in a sense, with a big old stone rolled on top of it. So they're kind of wondering how that's going to play out. But they had an agenda that day, that morning. And uh, boy, what an interruption. When they get there, the world has just radically changed. They had an incredible interruption. We're told that it was toward, toward dawn on a Sunday... And we're told these guards somehow, the, the time frame there on those 10 verses, you know, they kind of rattle on quickly, but there's probably some time issue going on in there when the, when the guards intercepted the angel or the other way around and they fell like dead men, like paralyzed and freaking out. The angel's rolling back the stone. So there's a lot that happens in 10 verses, okay? And the arrival of the women, is it dawn? Is it, can they see? There's a lot going on. Some of the other uh, accounts help us. When we say accounts, I mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They fill in some of those details for us, and we'll talk about that. But, you know, these women, they had an agenda. They get there. Obviously, beforehand, the, the angel showed up, freaked all the guards out. They're all hightailing it back. We find out this later. They all go, go you know, tail between their legs, and they're running off, dropping their swords, and go to the Jewish leadership. And, like, we've got a problem. 
because uh, uh, tomb's empty. We saw it. We don't even know what we just saw. And so they make up this whole story and they get paid off to, to basically keep it on the lowdown. Tell everybody the disciples stole the body. Crazy, weird story. So that happens all before the women kind of arrive. And, and, and here we are, just started to get you know, first light. And, uh, and the angels talk to them. And they say, uh, hey, look, um, he's been raised from the dead, just like he said. And, uh, and then go, go tell it on the mountain, y'all. Well, first go to the disciples, but then y'all go tell it on the mountain. And, and so what a, what a crazy interruption that Sunday morning. This is just altering everything. And, and the first thing you'll notice is, Where's, where's his dudes? Where are the 12? Where are the, we're going to be with you, Jesus, through all the difficult stuff. Where do they all go? Remember, they kind of scattered, or at least most of them, that night in the garden. You know, the threat of soldiers, they hightail it out of there. And so, where are the guys? They're all hiding out. Not sure what's going on. In fact, when you think about the crucifixion moment, those, those hours he was on the cross, it was mainly the women. I mean, I think there were a couple of disciples. Maybe John was there, Peter kind of in the background maybe somewhere. But really it was the women that were witnessing this whole drama play out. And so I think it's fitting that the first people to see Jesus includes the women. And by name, Mary Magdalene. Remember, she was the one that kind of did the whole worship ahead of time issue anyway. Remember the whole uh, breaking the expensive you know, perfume over Jesus' feet? And we, scholars think that was Mary Magdalene. She was already worshiping before he even did all this. And he, and he shows up. Now, it's funny that the angels say, hey, go tell, go tell the twelve, right? And I'll meet you all in Galilee. But then he jumps the gun. Jesus jumps the gun and shows up to him. And he says, greetings. It's like Jesus just can't hold him back, you know. He's going to meet up. He's going to do a special meet up with his, you know, dudes that were all scattered in Galilee. That's cool. But I love how in a moment of just great love for his disciples, especially those early female disciples, he shows up. Even before the guys got to see. Shows up. And what do they do? They can't help it. Everything's been confirmed, but they're still confused. Fear and great joy. And what do they do? They just fall on their face. They grab his feet. They start worshiping him. Nothing like this has ever happened. It's blowing our minds. They got to be the first to see this. What great joy and great fear. The other gospel writers tell us that there was Mary Magdalene. There was the other Mary. A couple of, it sounds like a couple of Marys. It was a, kind of a common name, I'm guessing, back in the day. So we have a couple of Marys there. Um, and... and uh, in fact, we also learn in, in the Gospels that Salome was there. Also, Joanna, who was actually a pretty prominent woman in the first century. So we have some pretty key female leaders there, and they're all named. And, and Mark tells us that the sun had, 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 uh, had just risen when all the women were finally there, but John's account tells us the first person at the tomb was Mary Magdalene. One who was forgiven much. I just love that little detail. You know? 
Maybe someone who didn't have much of a name. Now she's got a name. Everybody knows her name. Isn't that beautiful? We serve a God of second chances. Hundred chances. But Mary Magdalene, she's there. First to arrive before the sun came up. They were anxious, wondering what's going to happen about that pesky stone. But what an interruption in their plans. They're worried about a stone. And Jesus has risen from the dead. We know that's not how life works. You're dead, you're dead. What an interruption. I got to tell you something. This is a confession. This is so goofy. I think all growing up, I went to Sunday school. We kind of grew up in, the, in and around church quite a bit. My, my parents took us to church and uh, tried to, you know, school us in the good stuff. And um, for years, I thought that the reason that the angels, don't laugh at me, well, you can laugh at me, that the, the reason that Jesus was able to get out of the tomb was because the angels rolled the stone away, you know, that he couldn't come out of the tomb, you know. It's, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, was he raised from the dead and like knocking and say, hey, can you want somebody open this door? He didn't need the door open to rise from the dead. So goofy in my head. Yeah, because he can walk through walls. He does that. Like he starts showing up, he's walking through walls, like, hey everybody. Uh, so he didn't need the stone rolled away. Why was the stone rolled away? It was for those first disciples, for the women who were there first. The stone had been rolled away. And what does the angel say? Come and see. Come and see. What you thought was impossible. Come and see. Come and see. He's not here. He's risen from the dead. He told you that. Come and see. Come and see all the skeptics. Come and see Peter and John. Come and see Thomas. Come and see Judas. He's risen from the dead. Come and see. Changed human history forever, didn't it? Why many of us are in this room. Why we're all in this room, really. Wow. And I, I love that the first witnesses, the reason we know all this, were the women. I think that's really, really special. In a society when, even legally, women, their witness didn't hold the same weight, sometimes no weight, as a man's testimony, how scandalous is it that the first witnesses are all women? What does that feel like? I feel like that's dignity. That's hope. That tells you the world that we know has just been turned upside down. Later, one of the, one of the writers of the New Testament will say, no slave, no free, no Jew, no Gentile, no male, female, all one at the foot of the cross. This is the beginning of it. So cool. And really, and scholars would tell you this, that one of the reasons that we can trust this as the historical recording of events is because they decided not 
to fudge this. They decided not to put male names in the witnesses. It's another example of them just saying it like it is. Pretty scandalous. These are going to be the founding documents. The historical record, it's more proof that it actually happened exactly like this. Man, game changer. Some of the other Gospels will fill in some of the blanks of this bit that we just read. Like the angels being in this sort of dazzling white, lightning-y robes. Lightning-y isn't even a word, but lightning-y. I kind of think like, what was it like to be in the presence of the messengers of God? Like God's presence sort of like in proxy to you. I think of it as like on these cold, crisp, clear days when you walk outside and it's cold. It's like 30 degrees or whatever, 40 degrees. But then that sun comes out and you just feel it on your face. You feel it more than see it. These angels had this. And what did that feel like? When the angels are quick to say, he told you. This is what he's been talking about. Go see. Tell his disciples. Where are they, by the way? You know, it's kind of like, that's the subtext, right? <laughs> Where are they? And, uh, and, and then one of the gospels says, hey, one of the angels mentions Peter's name. Make sure, make sure you talk to Peter. Make sure Peter and John know. Kind of, kind of two of his inner three. Make sure they know. Make sure they hear it from you. That's interesting. He might have even been looking at Mary Magdalene. You tell him. You tell him. And of course, as you can probably imagine, the gospel accounts do tell us that some of the disciples didn't really necessarily believe. So we find a running match between, guess who? Peter and John running and I love how John mentions that he arrived first. <laughs> they weren't sure, right? How could this be? That is impossible. Right? These things don't happen. Oh. And, yeah, John and, and Peter, they both get the news of the first from these ladies. And, uh, and I love how we get this sense as these these stories are told as this witnessing is happening, as these women are going back and just telling the whole team, you can't, you can't believe what we just experienced, that they're all in a state of utter astonishment. In fact, we'll find that they will say, we can't help but talk about it. If you want to take away our life, fine, but we're not going to stop talking about this thing that we saw. We can't. Our lives have been so altered by this, there's nothing else that we can do. Trembling because the impossible has happened. I want to read to you from one, one scholar that I, that I appreciated. He speaks about this resurrection of the dead, and if you're okay with that, let me just, you know, uh, let me read that. In the resurrection of Jesus, his resurrection from the dead is the central fact of Christian history. On it, the church is built. Without it, there would be no Christian church today. Wouldn't exist. No story, no narrative, no impossible. Jesus, his resurrection is unique. 
Other religions uh, have strong ethical systems and concepts about paradise and the afterlife, various holy scriptures, but only Christianity has a God who became human, literally died for his people, and was raised again in power and glory to rule his church. Why is the resurrection so important? Because we know that the kingdom of heaven has broken in to human history. Because we know that death has been conquered and that we too will be raised from the dead to live forever with Christ. The resurrection gives authority to our witness as the church, to the world. And for the apostles, those early apostles, this was the central theme of everything they talked about. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. The game changer. The resurrection gives, gives, gives meaning to the church's regular gathering, like our feast. We, we call it the Lord's Supper or communion. We do that every Sunday. We're about to do that in, in a few moments. But it gives meaning to that act that we do together as a church family. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we break bread with our risen Lord when we have communion together. The resurrection helps us find meaning even in great tragedy. When we don't understand what's going on, when we lose a loved one, it gives us meaning even there. As we walk with the Lord, resurrection gives us hope for the future. Resurrection assures us that Christ is alive now and he's ruling his kingdom, both now and not yet. So much in that word, resurrection. But the impossible became possible. Right? For us, that's our takeaway. So what about you? What, what do you feel like is just still too impossible? That, that God can't possibly step in? Is there something in your life, a relationship, a situation, something going on in the world, and you think there's no way that is impossible? Well, we might need to rethink that now. What, what is it that you think is just too much for God to handle? Can you believe I even said that out loud? Is anything impossible? Not anymore. See, I think that's what those early disciples were starting to wrestle with. That's why there was so much confusion early on, because Jesus had just altered everything about how we know the universe to work. We thought we knew how the universe worked. And then in that moment, everything has changed. So what, it is, what is it for you? How do we exist in a reality where resurrection is possible? How do we, how do we function when there is literally nothing impossible? Think about that for your life. Whether that's a struggle, an addiction, uh, a hang-up, a hurt. Um, I don't know what it is for you. You know, a loss. You don't know how you're going to pick up tomorrow. What is impossible? Whatever it is, we need to rethink it. Right? Resurrection begs us to rethink that even the impossible is possible with God. Look, we are forgiven. In Christ, we are forgiven. We're free. We've been given real hope. We have, we have a, so many reasons to be grateful and thankful and, and, and curious about loving others and finding out their story. 
we could put other needs in front of our own. This is a whole new way to be human, to be generous and loving and kind, to have self-control. These are the new way to be human. The resurrection opened the possibility for that to happen. What is impossible for you? Maybe there's just someone in your life that needs to hear your story. And you think that's impossible. I don't, I don't preach like Billy Graham. What if people just need to hear your story? Here's, here's where I was. And here's when I met this resurrected king and I'm forever wrecked after meeting him. That's your story. That's your testimony. Maybe that's the impossible thing that God is calling you to share with somebody this week. My challenge, and it's only one challenge for this today, is to live out, the, live out resurrection. Live out the reality that the impossible is now possible. Live this new way to be human. We know what someone has love and joy and peace. We finally can pursue and let those fruits grow in us because we've been connected to the impossible made possible. What is impossible for you? What could God do? You see, this isn't neutral news. This is not, oh, that's fine. Resurrection is life, universe, everything altering. It's turning everything we knew about how reality worked on its head. So what is it for you that seems impossible? That maybe this week you're praying, well, God, you did it before. I think you'll do it again. You, you, you make beautiful things out of horrible situations. And I believe you can do it again. We sing about that. I, I want to challenge you to live out resurrection. We are resurrection people in Christ. That means nothing is impossible. With the words of Jesus spoken before he ever went to the cross, in Luke 18, 27, here's his own words for us. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Live out resurrection. You see, he's even conquered death itself. Death, where is your sting? Now, Satan is still out there doing his thing, but he can't win the battle anymore. He can only bug us from the sidelines. And boy, he does a good job sometimes, but he can only bug us from the sidelines because the battle belongs to the Lord. And he's already won. Read Revelation. He's already won. The lamb slain is now king and king of Lord of Lords. What is impossible with man is possible with God. So we get to be his good news ambassadors. We get to be those people, those witnesses, just like those first early female disciples. We get to carry the story, the impossible is now possible. Imagine us as a community of faith, a church family like ours, just being drawn deeper and deeper into the reality of resurrection, both now and not yet. Imagine us being drawn deeper into worship and awe because he's now made what seems impossible absolutely possible. Picture all of us grabbing onto the feet of Jesus and just worshiping him. We do that when we sing, we gather. We're going to take communion here in a little bit. Let's remember Christ and his crucified. I want to end with a, a little prayer, but first I want to read to you something from Andrew Murray. He said, beware, beware in your prayer, above everything, of limiting God not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think, 
each time you pray and intercede, be quiet first and worship God in his glory. Think of what he can do and how he delights to hear us and expect great things. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful that you make the impossible possible. I pray that you would empower each of us to really, truly hold on to that, trust that, believe that. That, Father, we would be resurrection people in our world, our community, our family, because you have made all things new. You are making beautiful things out of tragedies. You can do the impossible. Father, I pray that you would do the impossible in our church family, even this week. That, Father, you would stir us to love and good deeds, to be your people in our world. And that, Father, you would do immeasurably more than any of us could ask or imagine according to your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.